Our scripture reading for today is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, the second chapter, beginning with verse 5. This is the historic epistle lesson for Palm Sunday. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Back in 2015, a gentleman by the name of William Browder, the CEO of one of the largest investing firms that was doing business in Russia and with many Russian companies, was being interviewed on CNN. He had recently been expelled from Russia uh, because he challenged some of the things that he saw going on in the Russian government. <clears throat> and he was being interviewed on CNN regarding the wealth of Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia. And this is what he said. I believe that it is $200 billion. After 14 years in power in Russia, and the amount of money that the country has made, and the amount of money that hasn't been spent on schools and roads and hospitals and so on, on all, on all that money is in property. Swiss bank accounts, shares, hedge funds, managed for Putin and his cronies. $200 billion. And each billion is a thousand million. Just think of what kind of money we're talking about with that. In many ways, Vladimir Putin today around the world is kind of seen as the poster child of selfishness and the abuse of power. And his recent, well, in the last year or so, uh, taking his armies into Ukraine is just further evidence of that. The self-absorption and self-interest. And we see this often happens with great dictators and leaders that are placed into power. Egocentricity, uh, self-regard, self-absorbedness, if you will, is something that's common in many top rulers like that, once they've been in power for a while. But it's actually something that's in every one of us as well. We see it in the first sin in the Garden of Eden, when our first parents are concerned about placing themselves and what they want over the commands of God. The second sin that we hear about in the Bible is that of Cain showing no concern for his brother. In fact, even after killing him and God confronting him about his sin, he just, he just even questions that God would, would not realize that he should just be thinking about himself. Am I my brother's keeper? Do you expect me to actually care about somebody else? Do you expect me to actually think about another person? It's one of the earliest signs that is seen, likewise, in little children. Psychological studies have been done on this, that, that little babies, one of the first, first 
things that they do that, that shows that they have sin inside of them is a self-centeredness. And it just goes against our bent, sinful human nature to think about other people. We have to really try to think hard uh, to get beyond just ourselves. And if you take the, new, the newspaper out and analyze the stories that you read based upon selfishness, just, just think about that concept as you read through news articles. And it's amazing how it shows up in almost everything. That somebody somewhere is just being self-interested and trying to somehow abuse a situation for their own benefit. And sometimes we can just be oblivious to how it is in our lives. I'll give you a great example. Years ago, I was serving a church and a, a, um, a young man was talking to me and he was so upset because his wife had just signed up and spent $60 on a class for, to teaching her how to quilt, how to do quilting. And at the end of this, she was going to get a nice blanket out of it. But he was so upset, $60 to have to go to this quilting class. And I said to him, well, I know that you send, spend between $1,000 and $2,000 a year on golf. And he'd never thought of it before. <laughs> nice Christian guy. <laughs> but we can just be so blind to, to how we are about, about things like that. Our culture even encourages this thinking. It, it's so expected in us that it just encourages us, to, encourages us to think like that. There's a reporter for ABC News years ago named John Stossel. I think he's probably retired by now. But I remember once he said, I live in New York City and I go to a local cafe that has these fantastic hamburgers. There are no cows in my city. How can I get a fantastic hamburger so close to me? And he started to follow the, the trail back from the restaurant all the way back to the farm. And he interviewed everybody in the process. And he said, I came away realizing that the reason I can get a fantastic hamburger so close to my home is greed, is selfishness. He said, everybody in the process wants to be able to make the most money they can by selling this so that they can live better and everything for themselves. He says, really, it was all based on selfishness, which is why he has such great hamburgers in his neighborhood. <laughs> and if I'm truly honest with myself, every one of my sins in some way, shape, or form can be tied back to this root cause and this root sin, and it's just alive in all of us. But what a contrast that is in us to the heart of the Son of God, the heart of Jesus Christ. How opposite he is from all of this. Just think how unique Jesus is who comes into our world. Every ounce of his planning, every ounce of every fiber of his being is about somebody else and is, is denying himself. His very life and mission and purpose is all being directed for the sake of others and not for himself. He said so beautifully about himself, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. <laughs> if anybody had the, the, um, the, the status of being high above everything else, the very Son of God 
whom God later in our text we described how he's exalted back to that position of power. If anybody had the authority and the dominion and the power to be above everybody else, and yet he comes to serve. He enters this world. What a, what a unique doctrine we have in the Christian faith, that our God humbles himself and comes down and becomes a slave in order to, to die for the sake of his people. St. Paul says it this way, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that, so that you through his poverty might become rich. In order to bring you into a home of eternal happiness and to provide you with the perfect record that you needed before God, he came into this world, lived a life, and died in order to make all of that possible for you. And you can see this selflessness in his arrival in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, riding in this lowly donkey as we heard about yesterday in our homily. And uh, how, how Christ takes on and just, just faces his upcoming death completely, willingly uh, for our sake. And you can see it sprinkled throughout his passion. There's so many little stories. If you think about selflessness in Christ, there's so many little stories in the passion history. Washing his disciples' feet, giving them the Lord's Supper to reassure them of their forgiveness, uh, even while he's hours away from being arrested and hung on a cross. Even putting the ear back on a man who's come to arrest him unjustly. While he's dying and bleeding on the cross, he, he looks down at his mother and his youngest disciple and is thinking about the care that they're going to need. He's the ultimate epitome of selflessness. And that's why he's letting himself be sacrificed to make atonement for all of the wicked, selfish things I've done and that you've done in our lives. And he now loves to see this same attitude of selflessness reflected in those who trust in him and who have benefited from his great sacrifice. He says, Take my yoke upon me and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. He says, Whosoever will be great among you, let him be your servant. You know, when, when somebody um, resuscitates someone who has, has their heart has stopped and their lungs have stopped and somebody grabs them and and does mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation, the breath that goes into that person's lungs is really from the other person. Think of that in a spiritual sense for us. We are spiritually dead before God, and God the Holy Spirit, through his word and baptism, now breathes life into you. The very life of Christ has been breathed into the lungs of your spiritual life, so that what, you, what now makes you alive as a Christian is the very same life that has come out of the Trinity. It's a fascinating thing how God breathes this same selflessness that caused us to be saved into us. And he loves to see examples in our lives when, when Christians, when believers in Christ show this same attitude of selflessness. St. Paul says it this way, let this mind, the, the same mind of Christ, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this be your new thought pattern as you look at other people in your life. This mindset begins with trying to understand the plight and the situation and the difficulties of other people around us. And what, what, would, what would be best for them and their welfare and making them happy? So God would have you take this mindset of Christ that you've benefited from into your marriage someday and to look at your future spouse not from the standpoint, well, what can I get out of this, but rather what can I give in marriage? What could I give to my spouse? 
into your role as a parent as well, even into your vocation. Rather than looking at your vocation like, well, how can I get some money out of this? Rather, the Christian, God would have us look at our vocations as, how can I use my talents and gifts and the opportunity I have to serve other people the way Christ has so wonderfully served me? Just think what you and I have benefited from and what we have waiting for us because of the selfless heart of our Savior. Paul says, let this mind be also in you. Amen.